Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. Today we're sitting down with Sean Wagner, aka The Lore Hunter. Sean collects lore information for all of the Souls games on his blog, thelorehunter.blogspot.com. And today we're going to sit down and talk about how he got started with the Soul series. So, Sean, what was your first From Software game? My first uh, Soulsborne game was Dark Souls 1. Um, I played it not knowing it at the time, but just after it had released in um, 2012 in the spring in college. It was actually my roommate in college at the time. Uh, we, we went in and we got Gamefly together, so we had two discs. He had a PS3 and I had a 360. And he told me that this... Uh, there was this really hard game out, and uh, I was I wasn't much for for difficult games, but I thought I'd use this as a chance to kind of test myself. So we both got uh, Dark Souls. He got it for the PS3, and I got it for the 360 from a uh, GameFly. <laughs> nice. So you were both playing it at the same time, like this was your roommate, or this was just a buddy in college? Uh, yeah, this is this was my uh, this was my roommate and my my closest buddy in college, and actually. Um, we we bought in we we drank the Kool Aid as far as the marketing goes because I remember uh, the game fly was under my account so I got the discs and then um, as we were waiting for them to uh, show up we had a few days for the shipping and um, we both did research about like what builds were good because we were being kind of competitive and I printed off, I I actually made these little these little like. Uh, eight and a half by 11 tally sheets with, and I used like the dark souls cover at the top. And I kind of made this little graphic for us to uh, tally up our deaths. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Do so, you still have them? Um, I was looking for the file. I don't have the uh, physical copies, but I was trying, I was looking through my college flash drive a couple weeks back, trying to find it. Cause I thought that'd be a funny thing to post up, but uh, <laughs> I, I think it's gone now, but it, it's pretty funny looking back to like, the main thing we're going in for is this is a hard game where you're going to die a bunch. So, who had the most deaths, or did you did you both finish the game and then who had the most deaths? I guess. So, uh, so it, it turned out like uh, I've uh, I've never been one for like difficult games, so that was part of the challenge for me. My my roommate, uh, he's he's a lot better at games than I am, and he he uh, clicked with it a lot faster. Uh, he also went a. Uh, he went as like a dexterity build, and I went as a uh, a strength build with a big shield. So he he um we were both side by side for a while, and I, I was dying a little more. But um, my first playthrough of Dark Souls actually ended on Ornstein and Smo, which knowing it now is kind of a classic thing for people. I probably would have stopped sooner because I, I wasn't clicking with it right away, but I, I kept playing kind of out of competition, and then uh. Just on Ornstein and Smo, I, I didn't really understand summoning, I don't think, at the time. So uh, I, I kind of, in being the college internet, I'm not even sure if I was really connected to the internet. So uh, I ended up uh, giving up, and my roommate went on to beat the game, and I kind of watched him play through the rest of it. But uh, my first playthrough ended in Anne Orlando. That's pretty hilarious that like you guys were set up for this competition and then you were like, nah, um, I can't, I just can't do it. Did you did you beat the boss or was just ONS just like that was just too much for you? I just couldn't handle it. And I actually remember, um, I actually remember telling him like I tried to like 
like at that point in the game, I tried to like imitate his build because mm-hmm. I swore that a guy with a shield and a sword as I was going in heavy armor just couldn't do it. And you know, looking back, that was that's like a horrible build for that boss fight is to be heavy and tanky. So um, I'm I'm not surprised I didn't do very well, but I just couldn't adjust to the to trying to be quick and change it up midway through. And I uh, at the time I I blamed the game pretty hard. I I, I thought that the game was catering to his build more than mine i think i was just being kind of a kind of a baby about it but <laughs> just just being a little bit salty about it <laughs> yeah i was so mad i, got, I must have went at that for a long time because it's it's kind of funny i know that i spent like you know you're like eight hours in the undead berg that everyone does but i oh and the other thing i should definitely mention is i was using the drake sword so um because i read online oh, wow. that the, all the way into in orlando yep <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I don't have that file anymore, but I bet I would be wearing like the like elite knight armor, you know, or something with, <laughs> with the Drake sword. So it's pretty funny, like uh, getting more into the community later on, finding out just I I came into the game because it was hard. I was using the Drake sword. I was complaining that the game was being unfair. So it's really kind of your classic like bounce off of the game for those like reasons that you hear all the time. If it makes you feel any better at all, um, my first playthrough ended at ONS as well. Um, oh. I got to, I got past the archers and I got mm-hmm. into that bonfire and I just could not handle the silver knights to save my life. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did the same thing except um, I was totally addicted to the game by this point. Mm-hmm. I was playing it at like at all hours. At any time I was not working, I was playing this. Um, my wife would come in and be like, okay, we have to spend time together now. You have to turn the game off. And I was, and then I would ask her things like, well, can I turn the game back on? Are we done spending time together now? Like, can I just... Um, but yeah, I just restarted right there and then just kept going. And, you know, made it to... I think I was on like a 50-hour file by the time I hit Enter Londo. And then yeah. um, restarted and got there in maybe six the second time. It was just insane. Yeah. Um, when did the game finally, like, click for you? Like, if you were kind of blaming the game by the time you... Got kind of stuck. When did you when did you pick it back up again? Oh, um, so um, so so I bounced off the game and I probably went back to Skyrim, which I'm sure is heresy for a lot of people. But I, I really like Skyrim at the time, so I went back to that, playing other games, doing whatever. And then um, I was, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I was out of I was out of college at that point, and um, uh, I heard that Dark Souls Two was going to be coming out because my uh, roommate from college. Uh, texted me that the second game was coming out and he pre-ordered it and I was like oh yeah I never I never beat the first one but I was like you know maybe maybe the second one will be the game the game for me so um I it was a little bit till the game released so I decided I should catch up on the story because I've always been into like the the story and my roommate said oh there's there's a little bit of story there because I I figured it was just a bunch of random monsters. It was just a Japanese game. It didn't have to make sense to me. So um, I decided to just Google, like, Dark Souls lore. And um, that's pretty much the beginning of my actual participation in the community because I, I discovered Epic Name Bro. I discovered Bonfireside Chat was what brought me into that. Was um, I was really into podcasts, and I was like, oh, Dark Souls podcast, I think was what I Googled. And that came up. <laughs> and uh, between them and uh, Twin Humanities, uh, I started listening through the episodes again, and then I was like, oh, well, I need to, I need to try and play this game again because there's all this stuff I didn't realize was going on from like a narrative and a lore perspective. So uh, 
I, I went through prior to Dark Souls 2, and I, I was successful that time. I, you know, ha- I already had the sort of memories from the first part, but I, I was able to get through Dark Souls 1 at that point, and that was fueled by listening to Bonfireside Chat and Twin Humanities as I, as I did that, just because they were just sharing their experiences. And even though I couldn't participate in the discussion with them, it, it felt like I had this group again, just like I had back in college. So... I, I got that got me really pumped up for for Dark Souls two, and that's sort of where I really came into it. Was just a few months prior to Dark Souls two releasing. So were you able to finish Dark Souls one before that? Yep. Yeah, I nice. was able. I was able to. I was able to get through, and it was nothing. It was nothing special. I'm pretty sure I did the light ending. I uh, linked the flame, and um, it was going into Dark Souls two after that. And you know, at that at that point. Um, with with Dark Souls too, I'm st- I've still, I still am, I'm surprised I was able to beat it because going into Dark Souls too, I still am terrible at these games when I started playing it because <laughs> I still I looked up a build on Reddit because uh, I kept googling stuff and the the subreddit for Dark Souls kept coming up so it was it was at the same time that I was getting into it that I also like sort of begrudgingly signed up for read it and started contributing to that community as well which um um i'm also a, a moderator for them now so that was sort of my start with that community was at the start nice. of dark souls 2 i wasn't there on launch day i kind of played it at my own pace and that's also when my daughter was born so i was a bit preoccupied but i uh i still played through and beat dark souls 2 and most of the time i was i was holding i was holding my daughter while i was playing through it sort of became a thing to play through the game while i was on my shift watching her so (laughs) i guess when they're that young um either they need all of your attention or none of your attention right like that's pretty much how it works (laughs) yeah it's this weird thing where you know she she would be asleep so i wasn't being neglectful because she was such a newborn that she was pretty much just like sleeping or laying and i we had these um different wraps and carriers so i was kind of like wearing her while playing and you know i'd be bouncing back and forth and my wife would be getting some sleep so actually the uh the uh, Majula theme song to my wife rem- reminds her of like napping because that's when she would get to sleep is listening to that <laughs> theme song playing. So. That's a good tra- that's a good track to nap to. I gotta admit <laughs> that's a good one. Um, so throughout your time with Dark Souls one and two, did you? It sounds like you were mostly kind of a single player guy. Did you play online or um, did, were you playing offline to kind of avoid all of the negative interactions that PvP would bring to people? Uh, I've never I've never been much of an invader, and my, through my stuff with Dark Souls One, I actually didn't get invaded a whole lot. So as I started getting into the community more, I was surprised. I wasn't playing offline all the time, but for whatever reason, I I didn't have too much interaction with it. So um, for Dark Souls Two and stuff, I was I was playing online for all of them, and uh, I did I did do co-op, especially with Dark Souls Two. I sort of realized that co-op was a good way to get past the boss by like practicing. You know, get to a boss, drop your sign, then co-op. So I got really into the co-op aspect there, and um, I, I did my my caster build that I had found online. So yeah, I had a caster that just probably spent about twenty or thirty hours just getting summoned for um, <clears throat> Ornstein its mode, and it was like just a terribly crazy build like in new game seven so like eighty seven thousand cast of crystal soul spear and it was just wiping the floor like i just went in there <laughs> tapped r1 a few times and the boss was dead getting summoned for those bosses is a whole lot of fun yeah yeah i think i uh for dark souls 2 i think i 
I summoned. I must. I've. I've summoned at least a hundred times for the old Dragon Slayer. I don't know why. I just. Uh, it's an earlier game boss, so like no matter what character is, I actually have characters either stop there or at the uh, the bell tower because I either get really caught up in that sort of PvP in the bell tower or the PVE in the um, in with the old Dragon Slayer. And so with the vanilla version of Dark Souls Two, that that was actually probably what I played through the most were those areas just because I really like the interaction on that end and I don't know, just something I I think it partially it was knowing that I had failed in Dark Souls one at that point. I just got exceeding joy out of killing Ornstein <laughs> over and over again. So What um obviously playing Dark Souls one relatively late and kinda of close finishing it close to the release of Dark Souls two, did you Dark Souls 2 is a very controversial game within the Souls community. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of A-team versus B-team kind of BS moving back and forth. Where, where do you fall on that? Are you, uh, are you a stronger proponent of DS2 over Dark Souls 1? I probably would be because um, it's it's kind of like I've played Dark Souls 2 more than Dark Souls 1, actually, just because of the way the release came out because I pretty much had time to play through it once and then sort of play around with some other stuff. And I've gone back to it occasionally, but um, I've I've definitely played through Dark Souls two more times, and I I think for I think in a lot of ways that was that was the game where I was really with the lore and stuff. And even though people really criticize sort of those aspects of the game in particular, I still had a lot of fun talking with the especially the Reddit community about what was going on and following along with Bonfireside Chat because that's when I could actually talk to them and send in stuff and uh, <laughs> do uh, the Twin Humanities. They had like a challenge run. It's like where they would give people cake and I participated with... Uh, I think I think actually uh, Vader was also someone who would um, send in videos. I'd send in emails of my experience getting their challenges done. But um, for Vanilla, I... I played I played through it a lot and I I don't know if I ever was like oh I like this a lot more but I liked my participation in the community being so active that to this day I still I still think that Dark Souls 2 is a very worthwhile experience for multiplayer and although over time I kind of grew tired of playing through the whole game and I think that's due to some of its flaws that um I, I think in general I have a much more positive view than especially people who kind of really got into the series with Dark Souls 1, whereas I've I've had probably just, you know, maybe 100 hours in it, as, as heinous as that sounds to a lot of people, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not at all. You're, I mean, you're talking to a Souls junkie, so you have to, <laughs> you have nothing to worry about when you come to hundreds of hours spent in, mm. in, in video games, especially mm. these games. Um See, I thought for some reason I had it in my head that you had started the, all of the like the the lore blog and the lore hunter and all that stuff with Bloodborne, which came out I guess probably about a year after Dark Souls Two. Mm-hmm. Is was that not the case? Like, were you? I know you were part of the Reddit community and doing stuff over mm-hmm. there, but when did you kind of start writing up your own summations? And when did you start? Because I think that's how I knew you was the lore mm-hmm. hunter on Tumblr. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's kind of funny looking on it back on it now because in the grand scheme of this whole thing, it's been relatively recent but um yeah so i was really in the dark souls too but i think the general feeling of the community and although i had a lot of good i i kind of established myself at least in the the subreddit is at least someone who would talk a lot i don't know if it was always quality but i definitely like to have conversations about the lore and um i i kind of 
I kind of petered out on it a bit with the uh, the the crowns. Is I I just sort of got burnt out on playing it so much. So I actually uh, when they announced that Bloodborne was coming out, I was I I saw this as a is an opportunity because I'd never followed the release of a Souls game either. So I I started getting really involved with the pre-release stuff for Bloodborne and. You know, since like June of, I can't even remember, but the June before Bloodborne released. So it was a good like eight months of me wow, being really active. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and just uh, I, I spoiled myself really hard on Bloodborne and I was doing all the speculation and trailer analysis that um, I, I see other people doing now. But that's when I, I, I guess I, I was posting almost daily on the uh, Bloodborne subreddit. And then I was like, I kind of need my own place to uh, do this, you know, because uh, Reddit just doesn't have a good archiving format. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking, oh, I need to make my own blog to keep my lore stuff, and then I can just look back and laugh at how wrong I was about whatever speculation. And uh, so I, I made the Lore Hunter as in preparation for Bloodborne. And as I got closer to release... I, I started being more active. I think that's when I started talking with uh, a bunch of the people in the community. Like I started talking with you, and I started more actively talking with uh, the Bonfire Shad Chat and Twin Humanities beyond just like being someone who would write in. Is I was just really pumped for Bloodborne coming out. So I transitioned the blog right before release because I decided that Reddit not only was Reddit's format so strange but the whole internet format for dark souls was strange because i wanted one place where you could find lore information and i knew that once that came out like i i had a lot of fun with dark souls one learning about the lore through all this like word of mouth and these google searches but i was like what if someone just put all this stuff in one place so other people could just come and find it and so that's sort of the birth of the lore hunter it started as my own personal lore blog and became this thing where I wanted to sort of create an easier experience for people who are also interested in the story or people who weren't interested in the story but wanted a synopsis. Gotcha. So this has kind of became a, as opposed to like an interpretation website or interpretation of the existing lore, it kind of became a, um, not gateway, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like um, like a portal with, all of, with links mm -hmm. to a bunch of different interpretations of the lore. Yeah, exactly. Because you, I mean, you have... I mean, I think the YouTube community is the biggest source of lore um, for anyone because just the medium lends itself to creating really good videos. So while while YouTube's a pretty good format, there's tons of stuff on Reddit. There's even you know there's stuff on GameFAQs. There's just stuff all over the place in it. It's uh, it's a lot of work, but there's a lot of people who who aren't Avadi Vidya and who aren't Epic Name Bro and who aren't Silvermont and all the other people who really got me into the games. There's all these other people who write this, like, one post. Like, I've seen so many things, and you can find it on my blogs where this guy, I don't know what inspired him, the guy or girl, they write one post, and it's just great. It's just this really unique interpretation, and those things will get lost or really hard to find. So hopefully this is a way not only to collect stuff, but to also sort of shine a light on everyone who contributes stuff and i also throw my own stuff in there but i try to make sure it's at least half decent so as um as as most of our listeners know by now that's actually the reason i started this podcast or it's it's a similar reason to why i started this podcast because i wanted to hear 
you would go on podcasts or you would listen to people talk on podcasts and the very first question is like how do you got get into the souls game and um i wanted a place to collect all of those stories but also not just from the people in the quote-unquote upper souls community (laughs) (laughs) um but like you know people like myself that i don't really consider to be like all that known in the souls community except for you know a filthy filthy tumblr that we don't talk about (laughs) um but other people that you know post youtube videos but that don't have 700,000 subscribers or people that um <clears throat> you know that are on Tumblr that have, that constantly post about the game and talk about the game but aren't don't write into podcasts they don't put stuff on Reddit like you said this is kind of hard to find so mm-hmm. that's the whole genesis of this podcast so which is kind of a neat thing so Bloodborne comes out um at this point you're kind of like in Dark Souls 2 more than Dark Souls 1 where does where does Bloodborne fall in all of this so um it, it's my my experience for Bloodborne is that, like I said, I was following all the trailers, all the speculation. I was really down for this whole, like, gothic monster thing. Like, uh, people kept saying stuff like, you know, it's like, you know, all this werewolves and stuff. And, you know, I like that stuff all right. You know, my, during my teenage years, I, you know, re- you know, I got into plenty of werewolves and vampires even though i was kind of hoping i actually had quite a few threads about how i hope there weren't vampires in bloodborne um i was i was down for the monster thing and like i was i was analyzing the trailers frame by frame i spent five hours analyzing one trailer it was kind of ridiculous and over the top but i was really pumped for it um and then the game releases and um i you know i'm i i actually get the game a few hours early so this is one where I had summoned I had summoned for bosses before, but Bloodborne was like I had been building it up to be this thing where I really wanted to be a part of the community and do all this stuff and discover stuff because I hadn't really had that experience. So I I made sure I didn't summon. I was soloing through all the bosses, even if it took a few hours to get through each one. And then so I was, I was liking the game. I was liking where it was going. And then there were these minor like, weird sort of hints about these, like, old gods, and I was like, oh, I didn't see any of this in the trailer, like, what is this stuff about, it's, maybe it's just like a Dark Souls thing where they mention these gods, and it doesn't have anything to do with anything afterward. (laughs) Oh, oh, how little you knew at that point. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, I was like, this is sounding like, I don't know if I quite made the connection, but I was like, this is sounding just like a little bit Lovecraftian, because I, I, I have a history uh, reading Lovecraft, not like, I wouldn't consider myself like a, like a, I don't know, like a Lovecraft scholar, but I was definitely, I definitely read through the stories back in the day, and, um, I had that sort of in my head, and then when it got to the point in the game where you beat Rom, and then that cutscene plays, and then you end up in, um, Yahargul, that was just, it was the most amazing experience, because, I had followed all this marketing and all this pre-release and I, you know, I was looking for lore because that what's, that's what's always drawn me to these games is the stories. And I realized at that moment, I would, it, I myself was basically a, you know, a Lovecraftian protagonist. My character wasn't even because they're this badass beating people up, but I'm sort of this, this like, you know, like haphazard trying to read through all the item descriptions person trying to get through this game and I realized that like From had given me the ultimate gift was to surprise me by putting me in a Lovecraft um scenario without me even knowing it. So that that 
it's that moment that really makes Bloodborne, even to this day, my my favorite of the Souls games, just because I can't I can't replicate that experience. You can't be tricked into being in one of your favorite genres and not know it, you know? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just this, once I realized, I was like, no, this is full on Lovecraft. And after that, I just, it went from there and, you know, I beat the game and I, my, my blog went crazy. And then I just, I followed up on what I wanted to do. And I've, and I have hunt, uh, at least a hundred, if not more posts from other people up on the blog now. So, wow. Nicely done. Yeah. And then uh, shortly after Bloodborne, uh, the scholar of the First Sin edition of Dark Souls 2 comes out, um, which to me was always kind of a weird, t- weirdly timed release because mm-hmm. you had a you had two From Software games you had, that were both AAA being released within I think within a month of each other, at least here in the U.S. Um, maybe maybe two months or just very very close together was something yeah. that didn't really happen before. One published by Sony, obviously Bloodborne, and the other one published by Namco on all available platforms that they could possibly squeeze it onto. Um, I bought Scholar of the First Sin day one because I'm terrible with money. Did you hold off, or did you just decide to jump into it? Like, <laughs> um, I, I actually, I also bought Scholar. Maybe not the first day, but in the within the first week, um, sort of just uh, I'd been listening, and there was I'd been listening to Twin Humanities, and there was some real hype from CJ about it, and. Uh, CJ is the most eloquent person on the internet, so if anyone could convince me to make a passionate purchase, it was <laughs> it was him talking about this thing that I loved. But I honestly, the, just the perception of the game and the discussion around it turned sour on me, so I had kind of walked away from it, kind of for those reasons, despite the DLC being good. But um, I, I my I, my hooks were too far into Bloodborne at that point, and I tried playing it, but I kept going back to Bloodborne for the longest time and um at this point for scholar i've i've mostly played through it at various points um because I, I did the dlcs in the vanilla version i haven't played them i don't think they're any different in scholar but i've i've played i've played most of it but i honestly um i ended up watching a lot of lore videos and stuff i hadn't fully beaten scholar just because um uh, you know, it's sort of the part in my in my life where, like I said, I have like a, a younger kid, and I just didn't have as much time as I want. And Dark Souls Two is just a big game, and uh, I mean the commitment there is yeah. hundreds of hours. Like my playthrough of Scholars, I think finished at about 120 something hours, and that was with me knowing where everything was. Not everything because they did change pretty dramatically, but like knowing having a good basis of the game, like yeah. knowing kind of the tricks of the trade and. Of course, that does include a lot of PvP. Like you mentioned earlier, I get stuck on various areas of these games, too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to camp out here for 30 hours in their Blood Bro arena and just constantly do that and not do anything else. So, Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think for uh, for this for this playthrough leading up before, before uh, Dark Souls 3, I was playing through 2, and I was heavily involved... I'm, heavily involved in writing some Dark Souls 1 lore blog, so I was I was contributing some of my free time to playing through 2, and I was really enjoying Scholar. It has a lot of these really nice surprises, and I think it's a great game for someone who played vanilla or someone just coming into it, because I think it's a it's very solid, but I, I, got, I got through um, the Iron Keep, and 
I I just think those areas are some of the worst areas in any Souls game, and I think <laughs> I think I think Scholar made it worse because I hate those lawn knights. Um, like they just yeah. not to get like you could tell like it, it was really frustrating for me because even talking about it now, it just just the number of times I died just because those Alon Knights come from everywhere and they just swarm you before the Smelter Demon. And although I got through it, I got through it, like, purely out of spite. Like, I just... And then, um... And then the Earthen Peak is just... It looks horrible. I Like, even in Scholar, like, I know that's probably offending someone, but I, I think the Earthen Peak, like, they put some more gears in, but if you look up at that ceiling, which I like to do in souls is look up to see what's above me that texture i just think it looks terrible so it it, it kind of soured me on dark souls 2 again and it's it's kind of a bummer because i i kind of feel like in some ways as i've gotten to understand the games more i've started to my my opinion's gone down for for how i feel about 2 a bit and although i still think it's a really good game it it's a bummer to just be more like be looking for those elements more just because you've heard them talked about over and over again. So when they come up, you it's like, oh yeah, that that part is a little bit shit, isn't it? So yeah, the texture work in Dark Souls Two is really really rough in places, um, yeah. especially even if you compare the Scholar of the First Sin version, which is a little bit upresed and runs at that smooth and silky sixty frames oh. per second that people seem to love it so much. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, nice. It can be it can be pretty rough in some areas. Like Majula looks amazing, yeah. I think through and through. But in some of the later areas of the game, so once, you, once you get down the spokes a little ways, you're like, what were they thinking here? Yeah. I think that's the reason that when I go back and play um, stuff like Demon Souls, mm-hmm. I'm always surprised at just how great that game looks. Yes. Um, and it's not because it's just fully realized and, you know, 1080p, 60 and VR and 4K or whatever. Like it's just, <laughs> it's literally just the art design, the aesthetic and like the really great texture work. Like they just do so much with so little. Yeah, no, um, I, yeah. Cause, um, I was able to play through demon souls relatively recently, like in the last few months. And, uh, Man, that game is really good. Like, um, <laughs> like uh, dis- despite what Cliff said, I think Demons is is the easiest game if you kind of know what to do. Because I listened through the darks, like in anticipation of of um, Bloodborne and stuff, I listened through all the seasons, regardless of if I had played through the game. So I kind of knew what what I was in for for Demon Souls, which is you know it probably altered my experience a lot to know that some of these challenges were ahead but i already knew like that the royal like i already liked magic so going as a royal through that game i was just blasting away people and like using the thief's ring i was i've i've always been a very cautious player so that just worked to my advantage to just realize certain bosses even wouldn't aggro if you could stand back from them so mm-hmm. even though it was easy like kind of easy experience for me like that game is yeah. It just the art direction. I, I I honestly think that demons even. I think in the long run it holds up even better than Dark Souls for just the look of it because it's just so. It it no it's it's such a strong atmosphere and it it just like the music and everything just comes together to be this really good experience and I I'm not really one who cares about like the 1080p or you know frames per second so some things that might bother some people don't really bother me but. Yeah, I think I think Demons definitely definitely has 
uh, legs on it, and I I think in the long run it may even kind of play out better than even Dark Souls, just because it still looks and feels so good. Those are fighting words. Dark Souls is my game. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> I'm it's, just kind, kidding. it's kind of funny because um, I, I kind of hate to do it at this point because, like, the, I think it's probably every community, but I especially think the Souls community is really big into uh, forming teams about what you think is the best game and stuff, and people get really up in arms over those sort of discussions. And even though, like, I think each game does something different for me that's, like, really excellent, I I still, like, looking at it kind of objectively, I would have to say, like, I think Dark Souls is the best game. Just because, um, just having played through it even last, like, but also just hearing, just reading through it in the lore, like, I think Dark Souls is the most complete package. Like, for Demon Souls, I think it has probably the best atmosphere and hands down the best soundtrack and the most memorable soundtrack but bloodborne i think is the most fun to play which is and, mm. and i really like the atmosphere of bloodborne also so that's sort of what makes it my favorite is just because i keep going back to it so i'm like oh that must be my favorite because i like the story a lot even though it, even though i think bloodborne's story will go down as being maybe a little haphazard at points, I think, especially after the old Hunters. It kind of made me wonder, like, where, like, Kanehurst and Thumaru and some of, like, the, uh, you know, sort of, I don't know what you'd call it, like, the uh, the deeper lore theories. I think I've had trouble finding unifying theories that really satisfy me for Bloodborne, but I mm-hmm. think that's what I like about it, too, is because I think of the games, Bloodborne is the weirdest in the sense that I think it just, it doesn't have to make sense. Like, they have... I think they did it so that it doesn't feel like a cop-out, but I think the the nightmare and the dreams make it just this endless... Like, I'll accept more speculation for Bloodborne than any other Souls game, like because it just feels like you could go down a rabbit hole and not overextend yourself as easily as with Dark Souls, where I think it has the best sort of set of lore, but it's a little more... It's not straightforward compared to a lot of things, but I think it it ties up more ends and it takes more routes that have some sort of conclusion. Yeah. Bloodborne is definitely a game that is kind of like, you look at it through a kaleidoscope of yeah. insanity and like dreaminess and, um, <clears throat> well, specifically those two things, which are almost like mechanical functions mm-hmm. in the game in some cases. Uh, and you can, there's not necessarily a satisfying end as far as, what where did this come from? What came before this? What came, what happened after that? Who was this person and who was that person? Like a lot of those threads don't really tie up very well. But to me, I don't really care. Like the fact that a skull shows up in one place that might mean this. <laughs> like none of that really matters to me at all. I'm I like this the lore stories when it comes to these games. I'm much more of a mechanics person. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was I was kind of blown away the first time I, I stumbled into like a ENB video or a, um, <laughs> Vadi video video where. You know, they were talking about, like, specifically, like, item placements in the game, like, meaning something. Like, oh, wow, like, the fact that this ring, you can find it here, is a, or you, this set of armor implies that maybe Tarkus made it through into an Orlando <laughs> and then fell off because of, the, like, bringing those stories out of us. Those are really, really interesting, and I never had seen a game do that before. But, like, at the end of the day, I just don't care. (laughs) They're fascinating to me, but, like, they're not going to affect my enjoyment of the game, I guess. Um, For example, I've never cared that the elevator goes up. Oh, yeah. I just just don't care. Um, Yeah, I don't care about that sort of thing. It's just because 
Yeah, in, in defense of Dark Souls 2, like, I guess most people didn't read it this way, but I had a very clear feeling when you were walking between those transitions. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Your character is just stumbling around. They don't know what's going on, and they're ending up in these places that make no sense. So I guess I guess I'm just kind of like, I'll just kind of accept the reality <laughs> that's presented to me because, I, I you know, it never bothered me in that sense. And I figured for what Dark Souls was trying to do, which was really focusing on these people fighting this curse, that it it didn't bother me that... It's very obvious. I had the cloth map. I was like, well, clearly these places are farther apart from each other. So these transitions are just sort of these ambiguous, sort of abstract connection points as your character just stumbles around this, like, continent. So, never bothered me. But hmm. but that that's just those lore things. Because, like, I, I don't care about the elevator, but I... I, I uh, I don't go back to game mechanics. I sort of lean into what's what's the story trying to uh, present by doing this. Probably I'm giving uh, From a little bit too much credit at points, but I think anybody who gets big into the lore probably does that. So absolutely, like, <laughs> as for as much as I think that Dark Souls One, like I, th- I think you could make a really good argument that they wrote a book about Dark Souls One and then tore out pages and then <laughs> condensed that down into the game, so you're just missing pages and even chapters of that story. Mm-hmm. But like you can still kind of piece together what happened. Um, I that's probably not true. <laughs> like that's probably not what what happened. It just feels that way because I've looked into it so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Some of it's like I think I think the reason I think Dark Souls 1 is like a mass a masterfully made game and then all the things that could have knocked it down just worked out in their favor <laughs> in such a way. Like the, there's definitely <laughs> a little bit of luck in there because Dark Souls 1 didn't have a huge budget. Demon Souls was essentially a flop as far as games go so mm-hmm. i mean it didn't do terribly it had a cult hit but i don't i doubt like you can tell just by like the bed of chaos and stuff like they clearly had ideas but not enough time so i think they definitely got lucky that there's only one or two glaring things i think i think they definitely did a good job um letting the players fill in the gaps which is kind of a strength of how they present their story gotcha what do you um? I, normally at the um, I can't talk today. Normally at the end of these things, I like to ask people kind of what their hopes and expectations are for Dark Souls Three. <laughs> um, but you and I have, as as well as my other two podcasting buddies, buddies Vader and Cliff, have recorded like a three and a half hour podcast <laughs> talking about that. So I feel like going over all of that again would kind of be missing a point. If you guys <laughs> want to go check out that podcast, there's several places on the internet you can do it. Um, and we'll get to those after we finish up. So what what I'd like to ask you is for to to I guess it, and also I think you've played Dark Souls 3 at this point in my, I just remembered that as I'm talking to you. <laughs> you've already finished this game, so I can't I, I even... haven't I haven't finished. I I I am going to be continuing to play it after I um I I could take this one moment to say people and I'm not going to spoil anything, obviously, because, geez, it's been spoiled enough by Bamco themselves. But um, people are talking about, like, people always talk like, oh, how long's the game? How much content is there? I've dropped close to 40 hours, and I'm I'm not, I don't think I'm three quarters of the way through, because I play really slowly. So I'll be lucky if I play through before it actually releases, but. Um, but I guess what I'd like to ask you is, is looking back, um, 
over the course of the Souls games that you've played and how you've gotten into them, what, what do you want for From Software after this? Like, this is the... We're in kind of a unique position in that Miyazaki was... Or From Software was bought by a company whose name I can't pronounce very well, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> uh, Miyazaki was put in as the CEO, which is a brilliant move for most of the fans who adore his work to the point of maybe a little too much <laughs> um so now we've got this point where dark souls 3 was the last game that from software greenlit before miyazaki took over and to me this is a whole new chapter and as a fan of these people fan of this company's games uh, from uh, now that i've gone back to like the old ps2 stuff and ps1 stuff and you know playing all of their current stuff wh- where do you want to see that company go like do you want to see them take this formula and keep going would you rather them do something crazy wildly different do you want to see them pick up some of those old um ips and do something weird with those what what, where do you want to see what do you want to see happen yeah um i i think you know with with dark souls coming to an end supposedly um i'm i'm happy about that and um that's not a reflection on dark souls 3 at all that's just a reflection on um, I think it's impartial, partially it's because I don't want them to hamper themselves. What I want Miyazaki and Frum to do is, I think at the core they, they have this environmental storytelling, this sort of like loose storytelling thing. They have uh, challenging games. I want them to... Like I would, I like the expectations for them to be stripped away just down to those core concepts... Like, I want them to keep those core concepts, and then they could take me anywhere. It doesn't have, like, I think they should only hold on to the Souls mechanics as far as where they're conceptually coming from. Like, I think they'll always probably do, like, an action RPG sort of thing, because that's what they sort of do. But even if they want a different direction, I'd be interested, because really I just want... I think I want from to unshackle themselves. I think Bloodborne showcased that they're willing to go in different directions, but I some of my biggest criticisms of Bloodborne are that I think Bloodborne holds on to the Souls tropes sometimes when it could have let go potentially, like the RPG elements and that are kind of thin. And I think if they had felt free to pull away from that more, it could have even created a stronger experience for Bloodborne. Um, I, I mean, that being said, I'd be interested in a Bloodborne too. But honestly, I just want to see them create new worlds and just keep that like abstract storytelling, that that tough but fair gameplay is really what I want to see them move forward with. And I think the only way they can do that and really let their creative juices flow is to shed as much souls as possible. Like, it, it, it hurts me a little bit to say it, but I think it, I don't want... It's like when that TV show should have ended two seasons ago, but they keep doing it because there's some obligation. Money, money, money. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I, you know, like, From is still a business, and I know, like, to make the games they want, they're going to need to make a lot of money, and I'm hoping that this sort of conclusion of Dark Souls is successful... And uh, I think so far my impressions are that Dark Souls three is really good. So I, I'm I'm thinking it'll satisfy the fan base on the whole. But I kind of I just want them to go for it. And uh, if that means not holding on to a lot of the Souls tropes, I think mm-hmm. that only opens them up to doing more cool things. 
Well, uh, thank you for guesting on the show. It's yeah. very much appreciated. Um, tell everybody that's listening where they can find you on the internet. Well, you can find me on on Twitter at the Lore Hunter, where I'll be posting up a lot of stuff. And then I I don't know if I've formatted this very well, but I run two blogs. I have thelorehunter.blogspot.com, where there's my collection of community story and lore content. And then currently I'm doing uh, stuff for Dark Souls 3. Right now there's not anything up on the site, but mostly Dark Souls 1 lore. And that's darksouls3lore.blogspot.com. And uh, that'll follow the same format as the Lore Hunter. So in a month from now, that'll be set up kind of wiki style with just everybody's theories about what's going on in the game. So Nice. And as always, listeners, you can find me at jg greer on twitter and you can find this podcast and a couple more at darkinsight.net thanks for listening and we will see you next time